0: Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay.
1: Welcome to SEM Synergy. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bruce Clay. I'm here with Mindy Weinstein and Virginia Nussie. Hello,
2: everyone. Hey, good afternoon.
1: Later on the show, we're going to get into an important and actually constantly changing technical SEO issue, and that is JavaScript, and is it indexable and is it not indexable? Uh, That's especially true in a mobile world. Uh, Our senior SEO analyst, Mary Ann Robbins, and our software development manager, Aaron Landerkin, will sit down and uh, be available for that conversation later in the show. Quite frankly, thinking about the technical implementation of something like uh, navigation on your site is obviously important SEO. These are big areas for JavaScript. Another important thing to think about today, is, more than ever, is uh, obviously the rendering and the timeliness of the rendering and techniques for rendering on a mobile device. We've got to be able to satisfy the mobile users. So those are the things we're going to be talking about now more than anything. Uh, there's also been some discussion about whether you should use responsive design in an e-commerce world. That seems to be uh, a debatable item. And uh, what is the trade-off between responsive and doing an MDOT-type uh, environment?
3: Yeah, so we all know that Google um, has gotten behind responsive design as its preferred method of mobile delivery but I guess it comes with caveats you know user experience is the most important thing to consider and maybe for a retail site that's not the optimal user experience um, there's a, a new study out um, that said that mobile sites respond better for um, shopping experiences. And so, I don't know. It's it's something that you have to be considering.
2: Well, I mean, the thing with the mobile experience, especially when it comes to shopping, is speed. I mean, you want the site to be fast, and I think that's really where this study came into play and why the results came back like they did. I mean, I know, for, for me, it's been back to school, like crazy shopping for my two kids. And even yesterday, there was still one item I couldn't find. So while I'm sitting on the couch, I'm on my iPhone buying a student dictionary. Shocking that they still use dictionaries. <laughs> I actually was a little shocked but they do. Um, but again, it was a mobile experience. I was fast. I had my kids running around. It was last night. And I wanted to be able to pull that on my iPhone and purchase it right then and there. I didn't want a lot of buttons. So I wanted to be able to press, you know, one-click shopping. So you probably know where I was at. That so that's the thing, and I think that's why there is more of a preference now for the mobile site for retail. Make it quick, make it load fast, make it as streamless as or streamlined as possible.
1: Well, you have to understand, Google, although they constantly are saying that the thing that is most important is the user experience and their okay. guidelines... Uh, for reviewers is very oriented towards experience and uh, ease of use and ease of location and things like that. As much as that is the case, remember Google has tens of trillions, I think 50 to 60 trillion pages in their index right now. If every page had an equivalent M-dot, that would just overwhelm their ability to index, spider, and sort out which pages rank and which ones don't rank. Do you put the M dot in or not the M dot? How do you sort it? How do you manage it? Um, and there's a lot of, uh, so from a technical level, there's a lot of issues. But at a uh, structural level, this actually opens up the door to a lot of spammers. There's, um, there's opportunities for you on a mobile device if you're dynamically loading content to give the search engines one form of content and give the user an entirely different form of content. No longer uh, necessarily having to worry about is it Google or not Google. Um, you know you've got you know the hashbang approach to separating and providing a. Uh, html version of all the content to google and they'll index that but then on a mobile device uh, it'll dynamically load the content and it could be entirely different
3: so do you think that's their motivation for maybe recommending a responsive site versus separate domains
1: well it could be i mean if you're responsive in theory you're not loading alternate content but as the technology keeps expanding, it really goes back to the user. I mean, uh, if we're going to present information that we want to make money on and we can hide that information or deceive Google somehow by giving one form to Google and a different form to a user, we're right back to cloaking, like we used to see a lot before. and. That certainly would be a very deceptive kind of a thing to have happen. And how is Google going to know that you're doing that? It's, it's right. going how to be impossible. Make, how would they
2: manage that? That just seems like impossible. I mean, trying to, I'm thinking when you say that, because it does open the door to spammers, then you think penalties, I mean, I wonder how Google would even manage that, like I said. I don't have any answers to that, it's just more of an open-ended question.
1: Well, I think that the way it's going to work, Google will provide severe penalties for cloaking in a mobile dynamic content environment. I'm not worried that they're going to come up with penalties. I just don't know how they're going to even know to issue the penalty. Because there's literally millions of sites out there that have the opportunity to do this.
3: Um, All right. definitely get your your mobile in order and don't spam i think is a a good takeaway from that um and uh it's time for a break but stick around because we've got some more topics to talk about and uh, i think we'll look at using your content to its maximum value by repurposing it after the break stick around more SEM synergies on the way
0: don't go away SEM synergy will be right back Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com.
1: Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs.
5: Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now.
0: Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: Welcome back to SEM Synergy again. This is Virginia Nessie, and I'm here with Bruce Clay and Mindy
2: Weinstein.
3: And um, one of the things that we have to think about as marketers, with a lot of things, a lot of plates spinning, is kind of how we can make what we do uh, get the most um, value. And if you know anything about content marketing and if you're working with your teams to publish great content, you want that content to not only get found you know, by your audience through search, but also be consumable by multiple audiences. And um, so you're constantly thinking of how do I reuse this content, repurpose it maybe. This kind of opens up for discussion in a lot of ways.
2: Right. I mean, we've been talking about mobile quite a bit. So, I mean, you have to have content that's going to obviously be able to um, perform well on the mobile environment. But going with that, the way, what I've always been taught as far as it goes with content, and this goes far beyond Internet, I mean, just from the beginning, is that we all learn different ways. We all want to receive our information in different ways, and that goes right to repurposing content. I'm a person who actually likes to read, so I want to read the content, I want to read the text. But on a mobile device, even if it's on a desktop or my tablet, I want to read fast. So I still want to be able to scan content. I want it to be presented in a way that it has headings, it has bullet points, it's intriguing, it it gets me to keep going. But at the same time, there's people who want to watch videos. So that same content that was written on a blog post should be turned into a video. That's something someone can watch on their iPad, on their iPhone, on their desktop, whatever it might be. And then there's the people who want to just listen. So on their commute, as they're driving to work, that same, that same article, whatever it might be that you created, you create it in such a way that it's an audio file. So we all want different forms of media, and you can repurpose the same topic, the same great material into all those different formats. So that way you're not alienating any one person. You're going across the board with it. Right. This
3: this topic actually kind of started as a blog post on the Bruce Clay blog. Um, and if you're a listener of the show and, and haven't checked out the blog, we're always publishing things there about um, SEO, content marketing, um, the kinds of things we talk about here. And so since. Nikki, one of our writers, published a piece on some things to think about if you want to take one blog post and turn it into multiple forms of content. One of the things was maybe create a slide share, or maybe talk about it on a podcast. And so considering that we have a podcast, that's something that we thought we would bring this topic to the people who like to listen on their commute, like Mindy says, or something like that.
1: I really think that one or the other things that will be important and I know everybody uh, is aware of it, mobile, and I'm going to keep hammering on mobile, mobile is changing the way we get content big time. I think that anybody that is out there that thinks they know how their content is consumed is wrong. Unless you are really sitting there saying in two years all my content is mobile desktop is an exception. I mean, maybe tablets will always be here. Yeah, I got that. But if we cannot get our content to be consumed on a mobile device, I think we're gonna lose. And if we're looking at how do I repurpose things, I think the primary way to repurpose it is into channels that are inherently mobile ready. If you can put it into news, if you can put it into video, if you can put it into something, maybe blogs, uh, maybe Facebook, or a social media platform, Google+, maybe LinkedIn, even Twitter perhaps as a as a trigger point, if you can get it to appear in a mobile device today, in two years you're going to be very, very thankful. But if you're concept of repurposing it is to get it into print or get it into desktop sites. That's where they reside and that's what they're known for. Forums, perhaps, or uh, a lot of things like that. I think that in two years, you're going to find everything has changed and you're going to be publishing into environments that nobody's there to read it.
3: So then that means that uh, every piece of content needs to be thought about in terms of a mobile-optimized uh, perspective, and so speed requirements are really important, and so is the design.
1: Absolutely.
2: Right, and you know, what keeps going through my mind, too, is with mobile. Okay, mobile apps. You know, what's on your phone? I mean, think about that when you're repurposing your content. So we mentioned video. Can I have a YouTube app on my phone? I have a podcast app on my phone. And so when you're thinking repurpose, what could someone bring up your content, using an app? You know, think of those kind of things, too. I mean, all those things are going to be able to help you reach more people.
1: Well, I think you have to be very careful on that. Uh, There's millions of websites. There's tens of trillions of pages in the index. You're not going to see that many apps that anybody's ever going to see. I mean, if, if every website in the world had an app, you're really going to have each website be able to reach 0.0000001%.
2: Well, I um, mean, if you have a YouTube, I agree with you 100%. I've seen apps out there that I don't understand why they even exist. I'm talking if you have, like, a video app. YouTube's an app on your phone. I mean, think of it in terms of that way. I can pull sure. up videos. That's what I'm talking about. Is what So kind maybe of what
3: apps. apps are my consumers already using?
2: Exactly. And I'm talking about the big ones, like... YouTube, and like I said, I have a podcast one on there, too. So that's what I mean, is what, you know, what are people using, and you want to make sure that they can pull up your your content as well.
1: But exactly right, and I think that you're going to find, there are certain news feeds, um, but an up-and-coming one is uh, all of the television channels now have apps that you can uh, take your cable and see it on your phone, and see it on your desktop, and... Uh, you're going to see a lot more mobility going out. Uh, Let's just take that for granted. Everybody's going to be mobile. I've described uh, this evolution as something that most people don't know if you haven't lived through it, but there was a point when every computer was a mainframe. And along comes this upstart called a PC. And now every computer was a PC, and along comes this thing called a tablet. And now there's a phone, and... You know, just like PCs displaced mainframes to, as a workhorse in most companies, I think we're going to see tablets and uh, phones become far more powerful and displace a lot of PCs. And that's where I think we're going to see the consumption of information. Uh, I bought a car and on the car, I can put in everything I want. They have USBs everywhere. I think I've got like five USB ports in my car. <laughs> and I can do anything with a, just a regular plug-in from any device. I can record things, I can play things, I can, uh, I can do whatever I want. I can take my phone, play my cable television news broadcast on my phone and pump it into my car radio while I'm driving. I can do whatever I want and I think we're going to see mobile absolutely dominate content marketing in the next two years
3: it sounds like we've lined up a few steps here to think about when repurposing your content and they all kind of start with what technology is your consumer using um, if they're on a phone or uh, sorry if their car can plug into their phone if they're already using apps like YouTube um, and podcast and that kind of thing so um, in terms of repurposing your content, an interesting place to start that maybe we don't think about in these terms as readily is, is mobile. Okay, guys, um, we're going to take a break and we're going to get a little technical after that, uh, technical SEO, that is, and um, talking about JavaScript and where is Google in terms of its indexing of JavaScript. I know this is a, a technology that they've, been working on and some testing on our by our team has some interesting results to uh, to share. So stick around for uh, more SEM synergy.
0: Don't go away. SEM synergy will be right back.
5: Webmasterradio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash Webmaster Radio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition.
0: To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis.
5: InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavowed documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. Internet marketing ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet marketing ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com.
0: Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. This is Virginia Nesse, and I'm here with Aaron Landerkin. He's the Director of Software Development here at First Clay Inc. Marion Robbins, Senior SEO Analyst. And uh, we're going to get into a, a bit of a technical topic um, for a marketing audience. So you are you know, a marketer, SEO, and in back in May, we learned that Google says that they can execute JavaScript more like a modern browser, whereas before you might have just kind of safely stuck to a recommendation to stay away from JavaScript um, because it wasn't uh, indexable by Google. But now it's a bit more
4: nuanced or complicated. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, the big change, I guess, has been how Google is viewing the page and what loads on the page and can see more of things that are loaded from external files than it used to and it's taking obviously Google can see the page as a browser would and isn't just taking the initial page load they can see elements that are pulled from external files now we're seeing that in a limited capacity we first saw it with iframes and some of the content within an iframe was being indexed as part of the page in, in very simple cases with, uh, with JavaScript before in things like Ajax and jQuery we're seeing them being able to pull that content in as part of the page so um, Google launched the patches Google tool in um, Googlebot tool in um, the webmaster tools with a render option where you can see how the page would render and what parts of the page that are displayed in JavaScript that using things such as Ajax or jQuery, how those are being seen as part of the page, or not being seen. Um, in some cases, those are blocked by uh, robots.txt files, um, and that's a, definitely a problem where if you're blocking your JavaScript files, or you're blocking your CSS files, they can't render the page, and that's what Google really wants to, at this point, see is what, the, what, what content is on the page. But uh, I think what they're sort of limited to is what initially loads on the page. And if it's being pulled with AJAX or jQuery initially on the initial page load, rather than an event that happens by by the user, say they click something or they scroll, um, some of those content that's loaded after the fact wouldn't necessarily be included. And I think that's where we're seeing some of the... Um, Differences in where where Google is or isn't indexing AJAX or uh, jQuery content.
3: Yeah, I mean, just before we kind of started recording, we were talking about um, a client that uh, maybe thought, "Well, I've been um, I've been developing AJAX sites for for years, and Google has told me that this is all good and everything. They can see it all, but." Um, Aaron, you had some thoughts on well, that. Well, I think they,
6: they might have told them that it was okay to have an AJAX site and that it would get indexed all right, and I think that's true. Um, Google's been executing JavaScript, not necessarily to, to this extent for a while, um, but and, and most sites can get indexed even uh, without the JavaScript executing. Uh, that's actually one of their recommendations in their blog post, too, is to have their, your site degrade gracefully, I think is the quote, um, so that uh, when the JavaScript doesn't render for whatever reason, if, if things are blocked or timeout, then uh, your site can still render properly to Google. And even with older AJAX-enabled sites, uh, you know, things from 2007 or 2008, uh, usually the AJAX was not required to render the page. It's not like these kind of newer uh, single-page sites where everything loads on the fly uh, in an AJAX request. So I, th- I think even if Google told you it was okay before, it was probably okay, but not to the extent that you probably thought it was okay. Like some of that content probably just didn't get indexed. Um, and now you'll see more of it get indexed, but there's still a very real possibility that it won't get indexed to the level you think it will.
4: Yeah, I think that one of the, and and this is one of these the, the complications now of having... Mobile sites that are using more of AJAX design, or um, trying to do more uh, dynamic sites that are are, um, scroll have more scrolling options and so forth. Is that there's more of this AJAX-driven functionality with the site, and while we Google might be able to see that content. They might be able to try to spider it, and we know Google sometimes fails at spidering it because of crawl errors. We'll go into the crawl errors and see a bunch of pages that don't exist, and Google's trying to is spidering through JavaScript. They find a URL, they try to spider it, and it, they give you an error for it. So you can tell that there's there's a lot of kind of failure on Google's part sometimes with spidering things because they're trying to parse these URLs they're finding in the JavaScript and they might not be able to put them together necessarily as well as a browser would. Obviously these sites are loading correctly on a browser but Google, whether or not they can spend as much time uh, on spidering, whether or not there's uh, some limitations for how they're parsing those URLs, there's just some some problems there with, and obviously they're continuing to improve, but we just we need to make sure there's a difference between being able to spider and crawl your site and for your site to rank well. And we, we have to be a little more conservative, I think, in our approach. But we still can look at what new advances Google is, is doing so that we can add more modern technology to websites and make them more dynamic, um, more interesting for users with, with more features. But we still need to have the you know, spiderable content for, for a search engines to be able to see and spider and rank the page.
3: Then are there any, like, kind of guidelines that you might set for, like, the kind of content that you wanted to make sure that you avoid
4: putting in um, one of these formats or? Like, well, I think it's something, and, and obviously everything's changing still. I mean, that's the thing is if you're working on a site design, you might look at what what elements would be, Um, rendered in in JavaScript, and you can use some of those dynamic elements now um, that maybe... Does it help to use
3: something like the Fetch as Google tool?
4: Yeah, it is, and just to make sure that that's being spidered. Also, searching a a sentence of content in quotes in Google is another way to just check. Is Google seeing this content, and is it um, being spidered? You could even put that into a Google Alert. Is this being spidered? Is this somewhere being indexed on my site? Um, to see if anything changes with the way that Google is indexing those pages, because obviously there's, you know, we'll be talking six months from now, so things will be changing. A year from now, it'll be probably a different landscape. So obviously there's a lot going to be a lot of changes as more and more sites are going towards um, different AJAX designs and and one page websites. Some of these elements are are changing. How. Um, the, the web works with especially long scrolling pages, some of these elements that are um, being used as part of web design, Google is going to have to catch up. But we're still going to have to create spiderable pages that are good landing pages, and that site design a lot of times is different. And when someone who is in just marketing or SEO and isn't as technical and is working with a design team who is talking about some of these new development um, technologies and the way they want to build websites, you do have to make sure that what they're doing is at this time spiderable so that the um, render tool is a good option. Also just looking at the code and seeing what's, what's uh, on the initial page load. Um, what, what is in the source code and um, what, how, how are those elements that might be dynamic in, in, in JavaScript. How are those being rendered, and is that something, technology, that Google is going to be able to see? Okay, and then, um,
3: again, before we started recording, there was some interesting conversation about hashbangs.
6: Yeah, so hashbang uh, uh, and metafragment is what Google currently uses to uh, spider what is normally AJAX content. Uh, So the idea is that you put a meta tag on your page that says meta name equals fragment and the value of that meta tag has um, a hash bang in it. Google, when it sees that page, will then um, request a page on your site which is the same URL with a query string of underscore escaped underscore fragment equals whatever that meta value was for that uh, meta fragment. And then that uh, the response to that U- URL is supposed to be a static copy of the rendered content of your page. So if you had a site that uh, loaded content, uh, like on a delayed schedule, or used AJAX and Google was having a problem crawling it, uh, then you would provide this metafragment. Google would therefore request the escape fragment URL, get the static copy of what it needs back, and index that instead.
3: So this sounds like a possible solution for SEO.
6: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's a workaround to get AJAX content s- spidered. Kind of, uh, you get it spidered statically, but it's a it's a workaround to get your AJAX uh, pages enabled or AJAX pages uh, indexed.
3: Okay, so then for like you know SEOs because you, you kind of bridge the gap, Marin, between developer and you used to be an SEO analyst here. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's listening and and is it possible that they and the developers like this is the solution that we've we've used? Is it right. possible to maybe suggest? Well, make sure you have an escaped fragment.
6: Yeah, that, I would I would say use the meta fragment. Okay. I mean, there is a chance. See, when you use the meta fragment, Google also has to do some extra checks to make sure that the static content that you're delivering is still matching what is rendered to the user uh, via JavaScript. So when you when you do the escape fragment, expect. Uh, Google to do some extra checks on your site. Um, and it will also require two requests to your site instead of just one, so we'll use extra bandwidth for the crawler. There's some other stuff to consider, but uh, for the most part uh, it should work as long as you implement it cleanly and, and uh, correctly.
4: Yeah, the, that that is just, the one thing in the beginning, and when especially when those were introduced, there, a lot of times there were little snippets of content that was being indexed that way. So that was one of the drawbacks of it is that it's allowing you know one tweet to be indexed, you know, which right. is uh, which is you know that that could be important, but for your con- if you're loading small snippets of content on your website with Ajax, like a summary of an article. That's probably not what you want indexed. index. So the one thing is to look beyond just, okay, we can, we can make the Ajax spider Let's find some way to make this, and, and then look at ways more of maybe changing the way your site is working so you have more of static pages. So if you're doing a filter page and you're creating filters for different types of products and you have red widgets and you have blue red widgets. Rather than using a hashbang to make that page spiderable with the blue widgets, creating a actual subcategory page that's for blue widgets and red widgets um, would be a better solution. So I think you can't just look at the technology and say, "Hey, let's try to make this indexable. Let's try to see how Google we can we can use these technology, uh, you know, programming or some sort of coding to." N- allow oh, yeah. Google to see it, but instead, what changes can you make to your content management system, like adding a sub-page that has you know, the, the products on it that are blue widgets, um, rather than just trying to allow them into, say, an AJAX-filtered um, kind of environment where they're seeing the, the, the AJAX results for the blue widgets. Right. That's a good
6: point. I mean, as our jobs here as SEOs, like uh, we spend a lot of time simplifying things instead of making them more complex. Mm-hmm. and the JavaScript-enabled websites and Ajax crawling and single-page websites and stuff are just more complexity, more stuff Google has to go through, more uh, opportunities for errors to happen. Uh, So uh, my recommendation personally is to always fall back on doing just straight the simple stuff, like Mm -hmm. just straight this is what's rendered, this is what the user's gonna get, this is what the bot's gonna get, it's all the same, it's all easy. Uh, these other things that we're talking about are usually workarounds or uh, some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of co- uh, complicated path to get through the, to get what we want.
4: Yeah, and I, a lot of times when you let programmers get, you know, like what what solutions can they have? They're going to come up with a programming solution rather than something that is a more of a. Uh, architecture solution or something like that for the site in, in saying, hey, let's let's add some pages for this. Um, let's add a content-based page and, and put this content on it and just allow the, the Ajax content to be uh, for the users. And that's a way to look at things um, rather than always making them more complicated or more uh, relying on uh, whatever whatever way, programmatic way, you can uh, get something to be indexed. Um, always the simplest way is going to be probably the best solution because it, you're guaranteed what how Google will index that page. Um, well, I, I thought that was really helpful to actually, you know, maybe learn a little
3: bit more about what your options are if you're an SEO and, and you've got um, some developers that are asking you if, if for your you know, recommendation but then at the same time we end up saying like simplest is best so now that you're armed with that knowledge you can actually you know back up your recommendation um thanks guys for joining us on the show and thank you everybody for listening to another episode of SEM Synergy